ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Ypulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report on media consumption. And Mary Lee Bliss, Ypulse's chief content officer, is here to break down young consumer entertainment preferences and what it means for anyone who wants to capture their attention. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before we dive into our conversation, can you give listeners a bit of context about Ypulse, who you're surveying, how many people, how old they are, where they are, how often you're talking to them, and what this means generally about margin of error? Absolutely. Ypulse is the expert on young consumers. And we can say that because we're actually looking at data on young consumers day in and day out. We're not just guessing. We are asking them about their lives, about the trends that they're fueling. We're fielding multiple surveys every single month among a really healthy sample of 13 to 39-year-olds in North America and Western Europe. All these surveys are balanced to be naturally representative across age and gender with very small margins of error because we're talking to 15 in North America, young people. So really looking at how they're feeling, what they're doing, what they're fueling, and it's real data for real insights. Fantastic. You put together a media consumption report two times a year. And I have to say it's one of my favorites combined with your social media monitor. And they really influence how I think about where culture is going and what Mm -hmm. the entertainment landscape is doing. When we talk about social media, the gorilla in the room is TikTok. And we talk about more traditional media content providers. Is there a king of the hill? Absolutely, there is. And this is one of our most popular reports, so you're not alone. (laughs) We are tracking the viewership that young consumers are reporting, the top platforms that they watch video content on weekly. And we're looking at that across time. And despite the fact that there is more competition than ever, Netflix remains the top platform among 13 to 17-year-olds, the top platform among 18 to 24-year-olds, and uh, 25 to 39 year olds. So every age group we're looking at, Netflix is number one. They're most likely to be watching Netflix content than any other platform. How does Netflix stack up against TikTok? Even though we have a social media monitor and that's this is our media consumption monitor and they're two different things, we have to have social media platforms on the list of where they're consuming content because, because this is because it's entertainment. It's the so number it one reason that they're going to social media is entertaining content. It's not to connect with friends and family. So because entertaining content has become what social media is there for, we put it right against Netflix and Disney Plus and all of these other actual streamers. And actually, TikTok is the number two place that 13 to 17-year-olds and 18 to 24-year-olds are watching content weekly. So it's right under Netflix, but Netflix is still number one. Wow. And so then, because I'm going to run through these, YouTube and Instagram? Because there's video, there's video there. So yeah, 
Absolutely. And in fact, some people have asked us, why has YouTube been our social media monitor? It blurs the line, your, right? Your perspective, right? It's the original. And YouTube, it's very important to know, is number three for 13 to 17-year-olds. It's number four for 18 to 24-year-olds. So it is in the top five of places that they are watching content weekly, more popular among 13 to 17-year-olds than 18 to 24, but still one of the top platforms that young people are going to be entertained. And it's important to note, this is the free platform. They're not, this is not a Correct. subscription, right? Correct. And what about Instagram? Instagram is in the top five as well. So it is below YouTube for 13 to 17 year olds and above YouTube for 18 to 20 year olds. So definitely a bit of an age difference there. Teens are really more likely to go to YouTube for their entertaining content. And those 18 to 24 year olds, those Gen Z kind of 20 somethings more likely to go to Instagram. How about against Disney plus, but I'm going to, I'm going to catch it. I want millennial parents. So Mm. Netflix versus Disney plus parents. Yeah. This is such a great question. (laughs) Yeah, I can. Because, because you have we're that looking data at slice. All of these age groups, we're looking at all of these demographics. And where millennial parents are watching is where the next generation is being raised, right? In terms mm. of entertainment. Netflix is by far the top mm-hmm. platform that millennial parents are watching content on. 61% of millennial parents say they're watching content on Netflix weekly. That's versus 37% who say they're watching on Disney+. Plus. Wow. So Gen Alpha is being raised on Netflix. In other conversations, we've talked about the importance of diversity to this mm. cohort. Does the perception of diversity in cast composition play into this? I would argue yes. Okay. So our data shows that parents are looking for content with diverse casts for their kids to watch. 70% of parents agree that they are more interested in content for their children when there's a diverse cast and characters. And we also ask, what are the media sources that offer entertainments that that is inclusive and diverse? We're asking this of everyone, but when we look at parents, their responses, Netflix is their number one response. Mm. So when a set, so they're these parental, these parent consumers, when they're assessing, and this is this is their opinion, it may or may not be the tr- platonic truth of how much representation there is on a channel, but this is sure. their assessment yeah. of the channel's representation. Netflix is number one. How does Disney stack up? Disney is number two. And so looking specifically at parents and the media sources that offer entertainment they feel is inclusive and diverse. Netflix, as we said, number one with 59% of parents saying that it offers inclusive entertainment. Disney Plus is number two, but it is far fewer. 42% of parents feel that it offers inclusive and diverse entertainment. So Netflix, again, really kind of above the competition in quite a few ways. So if Disney, I mean, one of the recommendations, obviously, if you are a marketer and you're working at Disney is, is you need to get this message out. If you have the content, this is something that will encourage viewers to tune in or to sign up and you have to let them know. They have to really believe it. So that's, that's really interesting. I think. And by the way, when we're talking about family entertainment, we have a survey that we just fielded among eight to 12 year olds. And we know that the majority of this age group wants to see those diverse casts. We also ask them where they're watching video content. And just as I said, millennial parents, 
say they're watching Netflix number one, their kids, eight to 12 year olds, Netflix is number one for them as well. What's the percent reporting the Disney number? Just out of curiosity. 41% of eight to 12 year olds say that they watch Disney plus versus 56% who say that they watch Netflix weekly or more often. Wow. Okay. So note, note to marketers and folks <laughs> at entertainment companies. So given that Netflix is this, the gorilla in the entertainment room, and even in your report, you suggest that they've become cable for young consumers. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, how does cable cable stack up against streaming mm. services? It's almost painful as an older millennial to see how far it has fallen, right? That is a relic of the past for these generations. And we do include it. Absolutely. When we're asking where they're watching video content, cable is one of the choices. We'll remind everyone that Netflix number one, 61% of 13 to 39 year olds overall say they watch content on Netflix weekly or more. And that is 11% who say that they watch content on cable weekly or more often. What about streaming services all grouped together? So if you were, where's mm-hmm. the... Yeah, when we look at the the summary of how many are watching streaming services weekly, streaming services, first of all, is absolutely number one compared to other sources like social media. It's 86% who are watching streaming services weekly or more. And again, 11% who are watching cable. Wow. Wow. What percentage of young consumers then are spending on a cable subscription? We also ask which subscriptions they pay for. And the majority of 13 to 39 year olds say that they are paying for an online streaming account. And when we look at the cable numbers, we do ask what kind of entertainment that they have spent on in the last month. And we include premium premium video streaming on that as well as cable. So we do see that the majority, 65%, tell us that they're spending on some sort of streaming service. 34% say of 13 to 39 year olds overall say that they are spending on cable. So again, a minority, and then even fewer are actually watching on a weekly basis. I wonder if that subscribing to cable has to do with access, internet access. Yeah, I think a good amount of it is, although we do phrase it as cable satellite TV, so they are thinking about it in those those frameworks. And also we're asking about following forms of entertainment. So I do think it's likely around that amount. And interestingly, when we look at the difference between males and females, males are far more likely to have to be paying for cable with 40% of males, 13 to 39, say that they are compared to 29% of females. And in our sports and athletics report, I was thinking, is that related to sports? Yeah, absolutely. So in our sports and athletics report, we have a question around sports being the only reason they still pay for cable or still have cable. And it is a high number for males to say that it is. There was also just this announcement that basically the, the new streaming service for sports is going to be launched by these three different media companies coming together. It's almost going to be like a Hulu for sports content. And that was just announced. So even though cable has sports now, more and more, but shifting to streaming. So that's eroding. Fascinating. It'll be really interesting. And I would love it if you would add in somehow in your watching, do you watch cable through a streamer? Because you can mm. also, you're, li- you're essentially your live TV. Like I'm watching right. my cable channels through Hulu. I'm watching them through YouTube. That mm. would be or understanding that because again, it gets a little messy. 
how they all how they all stack up a lot of pundits say that netflix is over and on the decline i keep reading these articles and i am always very bullish on netflix Mm -hmm. a large part is because of your research and i'm like if this is the audience that everybody's going for and they're here I would like to dig down a bit into why Netflix is stacking up the way it does and what are some of the things that they are doing right. So what if you were to run through what you would identify as the things they're doing right? We've obviously talked about diversity. What are some of the other things they're doing right? Well, first of all, the shows that they're creating are shows that young people love. So when we ask about favorite TV shows as an open end among 13 to 39 year olds. We see that Stranger Things is number three and several of the other top five shows are ones that you can get on Netflix, including Grey's Anatomy, which brings us to one of the things that Netflix does and provides for young people, which is comfort viewing. Popular classics, Grey's Anatomy, The Hills joined last year. So millennials love it now, right? Like there's a lot of And Suits, the whole Suits phenomena happen on Netflix because of Netflix. We talk about the Netflix effect as well of a show that didn't do so well on cable. You is an example. The show You. (laughs) (laughs) Me? I wasn't on cable. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You've seen the clips. Okay, so You, the show, is an example. That was originally on cable, but we just talked about how young people are not watching cable. So it's not going to be a successful sport for that show to be on a cable channel. Then it came to Netflix and became a huge phenomenon. So part of it is just where their eyes are and Netflix being really strategic and smart about getting shows that they think will be successful once they're in front of this audience. So whether that's an older show that's no longer making new episodes or a show that has potential and they're bringing it on and then they grow that audience. So just the content. But there's other ways as well that they're engaging young people that we can talk about. One is gaming. So we know that they've done some interesting things in terms of choose your own adventure content, but that's just the entertainment side, the TV series side. They are also very heavily investing in actual video games. So GTA came, Grand Theft Auto, for those who don't play, (laughs) a huge gaming franchise among Gen Z and millennial men, especially came to Netflix last year. I believe 95% of Gen Z and millennials are playing video or mobile games. And if those games are next to the content that they're watching on Netflix, there's a seamlessness there. And I think they've been investing in gaming for some time. I think that there was reporting that it's actually starting to pay off for them with these acquisitions of Grand Theft Auto and some other things that they've they've put into their app and to their into their TV interactions. And I think that's a huge opportunity that other streamers aren't really doing. Right. Well there and you're right about that frictionless slide, making yes. it easy. And this is the place you're going to be. This is your default entertainment location. Right. What about micro clips on social? Last yeah. time we did this review, this was a sort of a new idea releasing these things, frenemies with social, if you will. Is Netflix doing something that other entertainment brands haven't been doing with regard to this? Or are they just ahead? 
I think they're ahead of the curve. So micro clips, this is the idea of releasing an episode or a movie in a series of 50 or more tiny clips on specifically TikTok. And we've seen Paramount Plus experiment with this with Mean Girls, which we talked about. This is one of Weipel's predictions uh, for 2024 was that micro binging TV shows on social media feeds is going to become more and more common for young consumers. Since we wrote that report, we saw The Sopranos get a TikTok release. We just see the examples stacking up. Netflix has been doing this for some time on their feed. So they're not necessarily making these big announcements like Paramount did, HBO did, here are the shows, but they've been releasing micro clips of their shows on social media for a long time. I think this is so important because why are they going to Netflix? Yes, it's the content that they love. Yes, they want to watch the shows that their friends are. Absolutely. Yes, diversity inclusion. But when we ask in our TV and entertainment survey, which we we field as well, where are they finding out about new shows? What influences them to watch a new show? Friends and family is number one, but right under it is social media. So releasing microclips, I think some brands would resist and, and think that that will eat into the amount of time they're going to watch your platform. But what you can't discount is that it's actually also seeding fans of a show and could bring them to your platform. So it is ultimately a marketing move that I think a lot of brands are going to have to embrace. Well, also, if you think about, I know you have shared a crazy statistic on people wanting to watch something twice, that this is, that it's not all about new, new, new. And so if you build a level of familiarity through social, and then you may want to see, I mean, it's not only that you've seated a fan who may yeah. want to see a new episode of something on your platform, they may want to see the same episode on Absolutely. your platform. Uh, yeah. And is it unique that Netflix has a dedicated TikTok for this or do all of them do that? I think it's pretty unique. And I think we're just starting to see other entertainment brands embrace this idea that Netflix, as I said, has been doing for some time. Right. When we look at what people are watching, are we seeing differences between Gen Z and millennials in terms of genres? I know when right. we do the social media monitor, comedy, comedy, comedy comes up a lot. And yes. depending on which platform, they're going to be watching slightly different things. But if we're talking entertainment, what what genres are the things people are leaning into? And is there a difference between Gen Z and millennials, men mm -hmm. and women? Yeah, absolutely. So when we ask about the genres that they're watching, we're of course looking at the differences between these groups. And we always see differences between teens, 20-somethings, older millennials. Comedy is number one for all. So we kind of just get that out of the way. Everybody right. wants to be laughing and get that mood boost. But beyond that, teens are more likely to be watching music and music videos. They are less likely to be watching true crime, less likely to be watching food content, which we've delved into in, in other reports. In this report, particularly, we looked at some of the differences between males and females, which are significant. We talked about sports already, so we, we know that. But it's important also to understand that males are far more likely than females to be watching gaming and esports content. More than double the number of males than females are watching that content weekly. And with females, they're far more likely than males to be watching drama, to be watching food and cooking, and way more likely to be watching true crime on a weekly basis than males. There's a meme about true crime being 
women's Roman empire. I happen to believe this is true. Women are watching true crime at much higher rates than men. Well, certainly, I mean, the podcast, I mean, we, you and I have joked about sure. <laughs> a true crime podcast because it's, it is a phenomenon. What do you think is going on there if you were to speculate? Okay. Well, if I was to be an armchair psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever, I would say women live in a more dangerous world than men. And there is something oddly comforting about watching that danger play out to somebody else, but also it's their reality in so many ways that men don't have to deal with. So that's getting a little bit deep and not necessarily about youth research, but I think that is one of the draws. Absolutely. Right. I mean, let's look at who the victims are in all these crimes. Right. Well, also, I suppose it, I it's sort of it. like it's these are the red flags. This is this is what's going on. I will yeah. not be I will not be a Dateline story because I will mm-hmm. see these warning these warning flags. Earlier, we we talked about using the the social media to to see new viewers. One of the most challenging things within a fractured entertainment marketplace is content discovery. Consumers, obviously, they're binge watching micro shows. How else are they discovering new content? Yeah, it's such an important question. Word of mouth is so important on almost every category of product and media is no different. So friends and family is the number one way, as I said, that they are discovering new shows. We're actually working on an entire report about what word of mouth looks like for these generations. Yeah, Uh, And that it's not just about the interactions they're having in person. Word of mouth for them also does include social media. So when I talked about friends and family being number one and social media being number two, I think looking at those numbers is really important. 13 to 39 year olds, 53% say that friends and family influence them to watch a new show. 50% say that social media influences them to watch a new show. So it is neck and neck. Oh wow! Social media is word of mouth for them. And Gen Z even more likely to say that social media influences them than millennials. So it's obviously, as with so many things, just increasing with the next generation. And the third thing on that ranking is positive media reviews. And that's just 24%. So we're really just talking, right, about the people they know and the people they know online and in their feeds, or at least that they see in their feeds. And I'm excited to dig into what that word of mouth looks like across the board, because I think really understanding that it is about the nano creators. It is about seeing that thing in your feed from a random person, just like you, that you don't know. That is word of mouth marketing as well. So those two things, friends and family and where they're sharing things is not just in person and then also just social content. Well, in addition, discovery, let's say you're even, so you're within a platform, are, are consumers overwhelmed with the choices? Mm. They they land on a grid and it's so overwhelming. I mean, speaking for myself, if the grid <laughs> is a mess, I just, it, it, you know, if the organizing principles, it just, it, it, I can sometimes decide, oh, I'm just going to do something else. Do consumers... When you compare that to the viewing experience on, let's say, TikTok, where it is a singular feed, yeah, how how do they land on that? Do you explore yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. So for years, we've talked 
to young people about decision fatigue. And the majority, 64%, say that they have experienced that fatigue about choosing what to watch on streaming services, right? It's not just turning on cable like the olden days and you just watched what was there. There's so many decisions. What platform are you going to go to? And then what show are you going to watch or a movie? And there's so much to sift through. So yeah, there's fatigue there. And I think you bring up a great point. TikTok is just serving that up to them. So I think that is one of the draws of, of social media as an entertainment, that it's it's mindless and easy. 61% of young people tell us they're interested in an option of letting streaming services just take control and play content for them based on their interests. Like just sit back and let Netflix take the wheel. And well, I think it that's would be a, a desire. It would be interesting if like TikTok, it it took the wheel and you were served up one and you could decide that you wanted to stay on that one or move Mm -hmm. to the next, move to the Mm -hmm. next. I mean, that's an interesting user experience approach. It would would be interesting to see somebody pilot that. Where are consumers watching their content? What's the glass? Connected TV advertisers pushing people are watching the television glass. Are they? Ah, what device are they actually staring at? Right, right. <laughs> this is another part of the puzzle. Uh, because as you said, it's so messy. You can right. watch YouTube on your TV. You can watch cable through your streamer and it's all over the place. So yes, we also ask them about the actual device that they're staring at. What devices are they watching to watch video content weekly or more? And the number one answer is smartphones. Okay. And that we're talking about them watching their feeds for entertainment and their social media. So that's a huge part of it. The fact that social media is such an entertainment consuming format for them, that's happening on their phones. But also, of course, they're watching Netflix on their phones and they're watching other streaming platforms on their phone and YouTube as well. So this is Gen Z that has no problem watching an entire movie on their tiny screen. That's mind boggling to older generations, but very normal for them. I read a report around the business of how you experience that small screen versus the big TV screen. And because it's personal and there's nothing walking in between you and it, Mm. you can be as absorbed. So that, yeah. that's something I think people need to shed as a, as a belief. It's not necessarily small if it, t- if it's what you're focused on. Yeah. I think uh, that's a great point. So as we wrap your advice, I always like to get your advice. We've already talked a bit about for marketers of content. What would you say for development executives? What should they be thinking about? Yeah, absolutely be thinking about the inclusion and diversity of your cast. Gen Z is the most diverse generation. We'll be a broken record about that and not have any shame about it because it is so important. It really infiltrates everything uh, in their lives, including what they want out of content. And remember that inclusion is not just about skin color, although that is hugely important. It's also about ability and sexual orientation and more. So they want to see people who look like them, but they also want to see people who look like a lot of different things. And that is drawing them in. I would also say, think about the differences between the male and females and age groups and figure out who you want, because there are big differences in the kinds of content that they're watching and what's going to draw them in, which is an obvious statement, but we see it in the data so clearly. So if you're developing, really figuring out exactly and honing in on exactly the interests of that group, so, so important. And then I would say Netflix has been really smart in seeing those shows that have potential and taking them to the next level. So they don't have a problem with a 
show that used to be somewhere else moving over to a new platform. And I think really fishing in other people's ponds is not, is not a no-no. That's something that Netflix has done so successfully and, and more should probably be doing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I always love this report. Absolutely. Thank you. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.